Well, today we're going to continue our series on Psalms. And the Psalm that we are looking at today is Psalm 13. Now, this Psalm was written by David. And I want us to read this Psalm from the New Living Translation. David laments and he says, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle and anguish in my soul and with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust In your unfailing love, I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I've named this psalm, The Struggle. This was a season of struggle for David. It was a time when David had more questions than he had answers. Have you ever been there? Many of you are there right now. The season of struggle is experienced periodically in in all of our lives. Today I want us to take a peek at David's struggle and I want us to dissect his response to it. I want to point out four things, four things that I find here as I look through Psalm 13. The first thing that, that I see in Psalm 13, I see the pain, the pain. I want us to read verses 1 and and 2 again. David writes, or he cries out to God. He says, oh, Lord, how long are you going to forget me? Forever? How long are you going to look the other way? How long must I struggle? Oh, with my anguish. Oh, with sorrow in my heart every single day. How, How long will my enemy have the upper hand? David was in pain. He is suffering emotionally. He, he looks around and he looks at his circumstances and he, and he just don't understand. He just doesn't understand. He, he, he thinks, perhaps he thinks to himself, how can, I, how can I be doing so many good things, so many things right, and yet so many things are going so wrong? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How can I be doing, you know, almost everything right? I'm doing, I'm doing what the Word of God says. I'm reading the Word. I'm praying. I'm going to the house of God. I'm paying my tithe. I, I'm getting along with my neighbor. I'm doing all of these good things. But well, why, why, why do I have to struggle when all of the good things that I'm doing, why am I? Why, I just don't understand why this is going on and happening in my life. I want to say two things here. First of all, pain messes with our feelings. Would you agree? Pain messes with our feelings. Here's what I know about feelings, and that, are they, and that is they're, they're fickle. Uh, and our feelings quickly change with our circumstances. And our feelings, are, are, they're not a true gauge of our reality. Pain messes with our feelings. Now, please understand this morning that, that when I say pain, I'm, I'm including emotional pain. Not, not just talking about physical pain this morning. I'm also talking about emotional pain. Rejection hurts. Would you agree? Betrayal hurts. Disappointment 
hurts. Injustice hurts. And the list could go on and on and on. Pain messes with our feelings. And pain tests our faith. It tests our faith. I don't know how this happened, but especially in America, somehow in Christian America, somehow a lot of Christians today have come to expect their lives to be pain-free. There are some that even promote this, you know, you know, you know, just accept Jesus as your Savior and all of your troubles will all magically disappear. Just accept Jesus and, and he will immediately solve all of your problems. Just come to Jesus and you will live a, in a spiritual bubble, untouchable from anything that could ever cause you pain. Jesus will make all your struggles Go away. Sorry. Not so. You have been misinformed. Here's what I know. That is pain knocks on every door. Pain is no respecter of persons. And pain will test your faith. And especially when you have been misinformed. The truth of the matter is, and you're not going to like this truth. But the truth of the matter is, pain isn't all bad. Did you know that? Pain isn't all bad. fact of the matter is, pain actually has a positive side. No one was more positive about pain, perhaps, than the Apostle James. Listen to what James writes about pain in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James writes, and he says, when trouble comes, he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For what? What? When trouble comes, he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? Why, James? He goes on to write, he says, for, for you know when your faith is tested, your endurance, say endurance, your endurance has a chance to grow. A chance to what? He goes on to write, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. Another word for perfect is mature. You will become perfect or mature. You'll become complete. You will lack absolutely nothing. So the fact is this morning, our struggles are not all bad. Our struggles can actually be good for us. Now, now hear me clearly this morning. Hear me clearly. I'm not saying that what you are going through I'm not saying that the cause of your struggle is good. I'm not saying that this morning, absolutely not. But Romans 8 and 28 does tell us that God uses everything that happens to us. He uses everything that happens to us. He doesn't cause everything that happens to us, but he uses everything that happens to us. Truth is, sometimes we are the cause. (laughs) Ever had a day of stupid? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes, you know, we are the cause. Sometimes other people are the cause of our struggle, the cause of our problem. Sometimes the devil. Don't you hate the devil? Sometimes the devil is the cause. But you know what I know about the devil? That is, he always uses people. You know, we love to talk about the fact that, that, that when God wants to do something, he does it through people. And oh, don't you want to be a people God can use? Well, on the other hand, the devil also uses people. 
Just like God speaks through people, the devil speaks through people. Oh, I could really get myself in a lot of trouble right there. Amen. Sometimes, sometimes the cause is simply the fallen world that we live in. How many know we don't live in a perfect world? God created a perfect world, but man messed it up. And because man messed it up, there's a lot of things that happen in life simply because we live in a messed up, fallen world. And yes, I'll say it. Not everybody will say this, but I will say it sometimes. Say sometimes. Sometimes even God. Say even God. Yeah, sometimes even God sends things our way in order to discipline us, in order to correct us, in order to get us back on track. Whatever the cause is, pain tests our faith. If we pass the test, our faith is strengthened and our spiritual muscles are developed. The first thing that I see in Psalm 13, I see the pain. The second thing that I see in this psalm is I see the petition. And the petition is found in verses 3 and 4, where David cries out to God. He says, turn and answer me, O Lord. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. David might be struggling, but he knows where to go to help for help. I said, David may indeed be struggling, but he knows who his source is. He knows where to go for his help. Do you know where to go? Let me challenge you today. Look vertically, not horizontally. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, let us run with endurance. The race God set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Hear me, hear me this morning, people. Hear me, hear me. Turn off your biased news source of choice. I'm going to say that again because you didn't get that. I said, I said, turn off your biased news source of choice. And yes, they're all biased. No, not mine. Yes, yours. Turn off your biased news source of choice. Stop looking and listening to people with personal agendas. And everybody's got them. Look vertically, not horizontally. Look up, not around. Look heavenly, not earthly. Listen, here's what I believe this morning, and that is if we would pray as much as we point fingers. I said if we would pray as much as we point fingers, if we were as prayerful as we are political. Hear me, hear me. God is our answer, not man. God is our source, not the government. Man has already failed us. Man has already failed us, but God never has, and God never will. David was struggling, but he knew who his source was. He knew where to go for help. Do we? Evidently, most do not. Because they're going everywhere. They're looking everywhere except upward, and the source is upward, amen. The source is God. He's our source. But not only should we look vertically and not horizontally, we should also refocus our view. 
We focus our view. We, we've all been guilty of focusing on that one bad thing in our life while ignoring a host of good things in our life. Focusing on that one thing that we don't have while being ungrateful for the many, many, many things that we do have. Here's a word for somebody today. Delay doesn't necessarily mean denial. See, see, sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says not now. When my son Chad was just a little bitty boy, he inherited his great-grandpa's pocket knife. But my wife and I knew that he was too little to have a pocket knife right there. That was something to be put up, to be used when he was older. And so we sit him down and we told him, we said, this is your great grandpa's pocket knife. And it's awesome that you have been left this. And it's his grandpa, great grandpa used to whittle with this and had a, got a lot of enjoyment out. And this is awesome that you've been chosen to have great grandpa's pocket knife. But you're too little. You're not ready for this right now. If we gave it to you right now, you would hurt yourself. And so because we love you, we're going to put this pocket knife up and then when you're a little bit older and you're ready and responsible then you will be able to carry the pocket knife great grandpa gave you fast forward some time and chad comes in from outside and his finger is bleeding profusely and he goes to his mama and he shows his mama and he shows his mama the knife that he had snuck out and used And he looked up at his mama and he said, you were right. I'm not ready for this. And sometimes we ask God for this or that or something else and we are upset and and critical at God, you know, and all of this because God isn't giving us what we want or what we think we want anyway. But God knows you're not ready for it yet. If I gave it to you, you would hurt yourself. Nothing wrong with what you're asking, nothing wrong, and I want to give it to you, and I am going to give it to you. In fact, the matter is, I've already given it to you. It's just not time to present it to you yet. But when you are ready, when you are mature, when it will help you and not hurt you, then I will give you that desire that you have asked for. See, there's God's will, and then there's God's timing, and a lot of people don't understand the difference between the will of God and the timing of God. See, something might be God's ultimate will for us, but we might not be ready for it yet. Sometimes we need to refocus our view and stop focusing on what we don't have and start focusing upon what we do have. Stop focusing on on that one bad thing that is happening in our life and start focusing upon all of those wonderful, awesome, incredible things that are happening. Philippians 4 and 8 says that the things that are true, the things that are honorable, the things that are right, the things that are pure, the things that are are admirable, all the things that are excellent and the things that are praiseworthy, Paul says, think, or we could use the word focus, focus on these things. All right, we've talked about the pain. We've talked about the petition. Notice the next thing that we see as we dissect this psalm, and that is we see the proclamation. And we see this in the first part of verse number five, or excuse me, the yeah, first part of verse five, where it says, David says, but I trust in your unfailing love. I trust in your unfailing love. The real question is, do we trust God? Do we? Do we really? See, see, if we do, our actions and our reactions will prove it. 
Paul writes in Romans chapter 15, verse number 13, he says, I pray that God, I love this verse, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then, say then, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So according to this verse, hope and joy and peace accompanies trust. See, the people that are at peace right now are the people who genuinely trust God. Did you hear me? I said the people that are at peace today even in this pandemic, even though our world has been turned upside down, but the people that are at peace right now are the people who genuine, genuinely trust God. See, see, anxiety reveals a lack of trust. Let me say two things about trust this morning. Number one, our trust is based on who he is. Our trust is based upon who he is. And who is he? He's God. Too many people have forgotten that today. He's God. He's He's, he's God. Jeremiah 32, verse number 17. Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens. You made the earth by your own powerful hand. Don't you think a God that can create the heavens and the earth out of nothing can take care of the pandemic? <laughs> he's God. Revelation 1 and 8, oh, he says about himself, he says, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, I'm the beginning, I'm the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, but I'm also the one who always was, and I am the one who is still to come, the Almighty One. Don't forget who he is. He is, he is God, and our trust is based upon who he is. He's the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. He's God. Our trust is based on who he is, but also our trust is based on our history with him. Our trust is based upon our history with him. The last part of verse five says, I will rejoice because you have rescued me. See, see, this wasn't David's first time to struggle. He had experienced other seasons of struggle. As David looks back to his past struggles and how God helped him in the past, it helps him to have hope for divine intervention in the present. David could trust the Lord because it was based upon his history with the Lord. He had history with the Lord. The Lord had been with him in the past. And if the Lord was with him in the past, David surmised that God can be with me in the present. Let me ask you this morning, do you have any history with the Lord? I do. I can look back at some of my past struggles and how God was there for me. Now, to be totally transparent with you today, I will say 
that he didn't always do what I wanted him to do. He didn't. God didn't always do what I wanted him to do. And he didn't always do the things the way I wanted them done. <laughs> yeah, you know, God, if you'll just do this and that and do this and that and do it this way and that way. And he certainly, <laughs> he certainly didn't work on my preferred timetable. And I experienced several disappointments along the way. <laughs> How many of you are encouraged now? Did I encourage you? I just, I'm just an encourager. Did I all that encourage you today? Here's what I know. At the end of the day, after the dust settled, I can tell you with 100% certainty that his way was far better than my way. And hardly a day goes by that I don't thank him for not, not giving me what I thought I wanted. This is what I thought I wanted. But instead he gave me what I needed. Oh, he gave me what was best for me, which is what I should have wanted in the first place. We can trust him because our trust is based on who he is and upon our history with him. All right, let's finish dissecting this psalm by looking at the fourth and the final thing that I see in Psalm 13, and that is the praise. And we see the praise. We see this in the last part of verse 5, and then in verse number 6. David says, I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I'll say two things about praise. Number one, first thing I want to say about praise, that is we should praise before the battle is won. It's one thing to praise after the battle's over and we've won the battle. Anybody can praise then, but we need to, we need to praise before the battle is won. See, see, David is still, he's still struggling in this psalm. He's still struggling. Oh, oh, his struggle is not over. His battle is not over. He is still, he is still in struggle mode. But, 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 but even though he is still struggling and, oh, yet David sings praise to God. He does this before the battle is won. He does this before the struggle is over. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, God's people are faced with insurmountable odds. They're facing a battle and they are vastly outnumbered. Other countries have united together to come against them in battle and they are vastly outnumbered and they have absolutely no clue what they are going to do and there's no way humanly possible that they could win this battle. Well, King Jehoshaphat, he was one of the few good kings. He knew who his source was. And Jehoshaphat begins to seek the Lord for strategy to take into battle. He knew that he needed a strategy if he was going to have any hope at all for winning this battle. <laughs> oh, you read the story, you'll find that the strategy that was used was that the singers, the singers were placed in front of the soldiers. <laughs> I've had a singer or two I wanted to put out there. <laughs> God, no, I'm just kidding, come on. Come on. The strategy was 
that the singers are going to go in front of the soldiers. The worship team was placed in front of the warriors. See, see, we can learn something here, and that is the truth is worshipers are warriors. True worship is spiritual warfare. Emphasis on true worship. And as the praise team marched and praised in front of the battle, and as they led the charge, God used this to confuse the enemy. And the enemy in this state of confusion turned on one another and began to destroy one another. See, praise is the secret weapon of the saints. That is why Satan tries to divide the church over style of worship. He knows how powerful praise is. Praise should take place before the battle is won. Hear me, hear me. Don't just praise God for what he has done. Praise him for what he's about to do. Praise him for what he is doing. Praise him for what he is going to do. You see, you see, it just might be, it just might be that God is waiting on our praise. God is not moving. God is not uh, uh, working for us because he is waiting on our praise. Because it's our praise, perhaps, that he's going to use in order to confuse our enemy and bring about our victory. Is there any praise in this house today? Hallelujah. Second thing I want to say about praise today is, and that is we should praise because of his worthiness. Because of his worthiness. We, we should praise because he is praiseworthy. Psalm 145 and 3 says, Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Oh, hear me this morning. Hear me. If God never answers another prayer. I said if God never answers another prayer. Oh, if he never does even one more thing for us ever again in our life. Oh, we should praise him simply because he is praiseworthy. We should simply praise him because he is God. We should just praise him for who he is. Well, somebody shout praise to the Lord this morning. The fact of the matter is, Jesus said in Luke 19, he said, if that man fails to praise, he says that the rocks and the mountains will cry out in praise because that's how worthy, that's how deserving that our God is of praise. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what is happening in your life, I'm telling you this morning, God is still God and he's still on the throne and he's still working. Amen. You may not be seeing his hand right now, but listen, he may be waiting on you. And if you will praise him and if you will shout praises to him, I believe that God will confuse your enemy and bring about victory for you today. Hallelujah. If you're struggling today, I am I'm truly sorry. My heart hurts for you. My heart hurts for you. The best advice that I have for you is to petition heaven. Look vertically, not horizontally. Proclaim your trust in God. Base it on who he is. Base it on your history with him. And then just start praising him. Praise him. Praise him in spite of your circumstances. Praise him before the battle is won. Praise him in the midst of the struggle. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him simply because of his worthiness. The takeaway for the message today is no one is exempt from struggles. No one. 
Oh, pastor, not you. You know, you got your life. You know, it's just so perfect. Listen, cause I, just because I don't get up here and whine every Sunday don't mean I don't have struggles. Just because I don't share them with you publicly don't mean that I'm not struggling. Believe me, every pastor on the planet right now is struggling. Because everybody's got an opinion and everybody wants to share it. And everybody gets mad when you don't do what they want you to do while somebody else is telling you to do something the opposite of that. And I'm not up here whining this morning. I'm just saying, I'm just simply saying this. No one is exempt from struggles. Here's the question I have for you this morning. What kind of example are we setting as we flesh out our struggles? What kind of example are we setting? I'll never forget the day one of my grown kids and their spouse came sat across from me in my office and shared with me their heartbreaking news they just received after I wept with them I said we must now live out what we preach it's easy to get up here and preach a little harder to live it and I said we must now live out what we preach we must now flesh out faith what kind of example are we setting as we flesh out our faith what kind of an example are we setting as we wrestle with our current struggle good question father I just pray that you'll take this word this morning and do what needs to be done today in the heart of your people.